it, it's 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 hilarious it's something that i enjoy and i don't even go as far as i used to i used to have a clip loaded to unload on their asses on twitter i used <laughs> to troll the shit out of them and now it's like there's no point like when you beat a team nine straight times and there's nothing left for them to say besides like robin you put that tweet out i don't know if you do this i do this a lot because i also troll mets fans put the tweet out and then mute conversation. So I don't even see all those responses. I literally chuck and duck. I, I throw it out there and I'm out of there. Like, y'all have at it. Go go for it. So I did that on Saturday because, like, I, I remember the brief history. And there's a lot longer history, right? They were the New York Nets. And now the, the Knicks are the Boo York Icks. They are the Boo York Icks. They are the Boo York Icks. But there's a history here, right? The Nets... Never had a home. The Nets had played in so many different places. T-Neck Armory, Long Island, right? The Nets were in uh, Brendan Byrne, which turned into Continental Arena or Continental Airlines Arena and then the IZOD Center. And then they moved them to Brooklyn. So there is a whole fraction of fans now that don't even really remember the Jersey days or the New York days. And these young fans really just remember Brooklyn as the home of the Nets, but it's important for us to know our history. I remember what it felt like when they took the New Jersey basketball team out of New Jersey. If you've listened to Talking Nets over these last four years, I told you I was mad so much to the point I boycotted the team until my wife bought us tickets to go to the playoffs that year. And I was like, this is better. This is what they're supposed to be doing. It's an NBA franchise. They want to attract stars. We are living in the future that was promised over a decade ago, Kevin yeah. Durant is on this team. Kyrie Irving is on this team. And we're going to give Kyrie his flowers. But when you think about what has happened, it's 10 years in Brooklyn. And in the last three years, the Knicks have not been able to beat the team that their fans looked down upon, that their fans treated as a second-class citizen, that their fans treated like they don't belong here when they already were here, left and came back. Last thing I'll say is the Nets could have came back as the New York Nets. All of these teams in New York, the New York Yankees, the New York Mets, the New York Giants, the New York Jets, the New York Rangers, I, you know, the New York Islanders, we, we get it. But like they didn't take the name New York for a reason. They created their identity in Brooklyn. And it, there's some of these fans that have nothing left to stand on besides that New York runs the city and they have more fans. Well, duh, they should have that many fans. They've been in the middle of New York for 100 years, Robin. Yeah, I mean, I think the clean sweep thing really hurt. You know, that that's one that stung because for the longest time, the net, the Knicks have been like dreaming of getting. I mean, I remember I was on the radio in New York and I did a, a remix of what Bloomberg had said about the time. Like, come on, LeBron, because, you know, I, I wanted LeBron to play in New York and they were going after LeBron and then. Every year after that, it was these dreams of they're going to win the lottery and it was going to be Zion and then Katie and, and Kyrie. And, and fans can say whatever they want. The fact that those two chose Brooklyn and not the Knicks hurt. And you've seen that resentment ever since then. You've seen that resentment ever since then. Izod, then they went to The Rock and then Brooklyn. As you're saying, as Jay from BK writes in, in... I forgot that little bit of time that they played where the Devils played. And yeah. nobody wanted to get on the train and go to those games with me. <laughs> but, you know, the the, um, the the Nets, after that, it, it hurt and, and it, it upped the resentment. And that's why you've seen 
more of the celebration around any Nets failures and the desire to call the Nets the, the worst disaster in the history of disasters. And some of it was warranted. You know, the, the Nets have had uh, reason to criticize them during the, the but it, it was extra because of that. And then I think that animosity is even translated uh, to the media personalities in New York who are Knicks fans. And it's come across because the Nets aren't treated like a New York team on the New York airwaves because of that resentment from the Knicks fan base. But outside of the New York bubble, they are the marquee franchise in New York. And when you see it on the floor, even with Katie out of the game, I, I said the, the, the Nets can't, um, can't lose that game. They're going to win because they can't lose. Because even without Ben Simmons. Yeah, even without Ben and with his uh, whatever he was wearing, it looked like a waterbed lining on, on the bench. But when you, when you talk about that, that game, you know, if the Nets had lost, we would say, well, you know, they didn't have KD. But the Nets won even without KD, so you could say they beat you without KD. But even without KD, Kyrie Irving, by far, the best player on the floor, the biggest star on the floor. Nick Claxton rivals their best guys, right? And, and I think if you're, you're projecting forward, you could make the case for him over those guys. And, and, and I do think as well as Jalen Brunson has played, as well as Julius Randle has played, some of that reality sets in when you see Kyrie going off and you go, oh, yeah, they've got Kevin Durant, they've got Kyrie Irving, and we've got Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson. But it's about becoming a good organization, right? And for me, Nick Claxton is the, is the primary focus point of why you look at, at the Nets as a better organization from which everything else flows, you know, running the city XYZ, the clean sweep. Nick Claxton was a Nets draft pick late in the first rounds, there is no reason why the Knicks they have and going back to when the Nets even moved to, to the city, you know, for the, the most recent time, the Knicks had all of the draft capital, all of the money, all of the cultural clout, all of these things going in their favor to be able to eventually go out and execute the clean sweep. And they couldn't get it done. Not with all of the edits, not with the edits that had Katie Kyrie and Zion because they thought they were going to win the, the lottery that year. Not with any of that. And we got to see that not only do the Nets have the stars, they show why their organization is better. And at the end of the day, these are basketball teams. They're not media companies. They're not fashion brands. They're not even, as much as they are, they're not even just cultural concepts. They are basketball teams. And there is no way to be irrelevant, frankly, for as long as the Knicks have been, and to compete with a team that is winning, good, and has the biggest stars in the league. And there's a reason why, just like Kevin Durant said, the biggest stars in the league don't want to go to Manhattan. They want to go to Brooklyn because they have not created an organizational atmosphere where that is something that anybody in the world would want, despite them playing at what they call the Mecca, despite all of their historical cultural clout that as we go on, as every day goes, and as that 9-0 and record continues to expand, uh, is slowly collapsing. Yeah, I'll add my uh, tweet before we move on to more things specifically from the game. This is really just like our thoughts and feelings watching. The, the be careful! Be careful what you say because we are on camera and your face might be recognized. So next time you go to the garden, when the facial recognition technology <laughs> they're gonna lock in, us out, they, they could kick you out. They could throw you out like Charles Oakley or. Oh, like, well, I don't care about Lee. being on camera. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just making sure. Don't be too harsh. That's all I'm saying. James Dolan, I was cooking him on WFAN the night before he came in the building. I thought he somewhat redeemed himself, but I was hearing it in the car in and out. Then I went back and listened, and I'm like, nah, 
He was just prepared for the radio and was trying to make up for what he did on Fox 5. But that's a whole other thing. I don't go there. I don't go watch the Rangers. I don't go watch the Knicks. I'm never in that building. Real quick, they do have somebody whose job it is to listen and find things that are said about James Dolan. When I did a Knicks play-by-play game, I had to sign paperwork that said, you know, you won't talk bad about Mr. Dolan. And the last thing on that real quick, I sent a tweet out when, I think it was Spike after the Spike Lee happened or the Patrick Ewing, one of those things happened. And it was just like a... Calls uh, Oakley. Yeah, it was like a silly tweet. Like the Knicks have completed the big three of, of banishments, you know, yeah. Spike Lee, Charles Oakley, and Patrick Ewing. The Knicks emailed me, you know, off of that tweet with Bro. a press release saying, here is our press release about what happened. We saw your tweet. Like that's the level of paranoia that's around that organization. I, I can't understand it because he's a billionaire and like... Don't even let me get close to that type of money. I'm not going to give a F what anybody says or does. It doesn't matter. Talk about rabbit ears. That's a term I learned being on the radio. You know, people like you can't listen to all your critics or your haters don't have rabbit ears. I'm like, I don't have rabbit ears. I have Internet access. So as soon as I say or do something, I go on and my phone has notifications from all these retards. I probably shouldn't say that. That's uh, not a term you could say anymore. But all these idiots that like want to troll me. And I, I took it took some time, but I got over it. James Dolan is never going to get over it. James Dolan is the richest guy, owns the Rangers, owns the Knicks, owns the building, but yet he's seeking out his detractors. He's see, I'm not. I'm never doing that. I might pew pew shoot some shots back on online, but the the extent that this guy goes being insecure is amazing. And you know, they asked him about going to Barclays Center. He said he's never stepped foot in the building, and he would consider it if there's a Nets Knicks matchup. I would love to see that. I don't know exactly how that would play out, but. Uh, this whole rivalry or this whole matchup or this whole back and forth, uh, you know, since the Nets have been back in Brooklyn, you know, you were already alluding to it. I work at WFAN. So, you know, it is like pulling teeth to have them actually have a conversation about the Nets in a fair way, in a in a way that does not sound like their New York Knicks fandom is coming out. And I remember talking to Evan. We had Evan on this podcast and I said, you're our only voice. This is before I knew I would be on WFAN. I'm like, you're the only one that can talk about the Nets in the proper way. It's always slanted. And it's slanted because they're butthurt. So the tweet that I put out where I said, you know, Chuck and Doug and mute your notifications, I said the Nets are most relevant in this town when they beat the Knicks. 